Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He then came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet as well? You don't realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Lord, you will never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, not only wash my feet, wash my hands and my face as well. A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Our text this evening comes to us from John chapter 13. I'm going to read the first 17 verses and then verses 34 and 35 as well. John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. 
Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then skipping to verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't too familiar with Maundy Thursday before I came to serve as pastor here at Ivanrest. Um, I was familiar with some other services in Lent. For instance, Ash Wednesday has long been a meaningful service for me ever since I first experienced it back when I was in college. That's part of why I was so excited to start an Ash Wednesday service here this year, but there was an ice storm and apparently God had other plans, so we'll have to wait a year. I was familiar with Good Friday too. That's the midweek Holy Week service that I grew up with at the church that I grew up in as well as the church that I served before this in Wisconsin. But Maundy Thursday was new to me. I'd heard of it, but I'd never participated in a Maundy Thursday service. And so shortly after I started as pastor here, I did a bit of Googling. What is Maundy Thursday, I typed. Where does it come from? What's the meaning or significance of this day? Well, it turns out that that word Maundy comes from the Latin word mandatum, which means command. So called by its literal name, this is Command Thursday. And what command is Command Thursday referring to? What mandatum are we given today? What are we mandated to do or be like? Well, it's actually right here in our text for this evening. That's because this day and this service take their name from that command, the mandatum that Jesus gives his disciples in verses 34 and 35 here. A new command I give you, he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the mandatum. That's the command. That's the mandate we're given on this day. On his last full night alive, that's what Jesus wanted to impress upon his disciples, impress upon us as his disciples today. He wanted to impress upon us the need to love others, The need to love others specifically, like he says, the way that he first loved us. That, Jesus says, is what will distinguish you and set you apart as my disciples if you love one another like I have loved you. What does that love look like, though? 
What does it look like to love one another the way that Jesus loves us? After all, our culture has many definitions and examples of love, right? Is that the kind of love Jesus refers to here, the kind of love we're supposed to offer to each other, the kind that we see in our culture and broader world today? In a word, no. Sure, our culture likes to talk about love a lot. We sing songs like, love, love me do, love me, love me, say that you love me, all you need is love. But sometimes I wonder if we really know what we're talking or singing about when we sing and talk about love. After all, many of our definitions of love these days seem mostly centered around ourselves. We think love is a great idea or ideal in our culture and most of us seem happy to pursue it, at least for a while. But once the going gets tough, the road gets rough, and the waters start to get a little choppy, we begin to second-guess love. When love becomes more a chore and a choice than a second-nature feeling, we begin to wonder, is this really worth it? Is this really what I want? Is this love thing really all that it's cracked up to be? But Jesus and the Bible as a whole actually define love quite a bit differently. That's because Jesus and the Bible's conception of love, rather than being self-centered, individualistic, and me first, the way that we tend to talk about love these days, is centered and focused instead on the other. It's centered not on the originator of love, but the object. Not on the giver of love, but the recipient. In other words, the love of Jesus is radically self-uncentered. It's not individualistic, it's other-vigualistic. It's not me first, it's them first, it's you first. That's the kind of love Jesus and the Bible talk about. And to demonstrate that then, to flesh it out, to give it bones and a body and a real life example, Jesus gives us a tangible expression of that kind of love here in this text. That's because on his last night here on earth, Jesus begins his last meal with his disciples by washing their feet. Now, if you've ever heard a sermon on this text before, and I'm guessing that many of you have, then you probably know some of the significance of that. Put simply, foot washing was servant's work. It was dirty, unclean, disgraceful, and disgusting. People wore sandals back then, and so just by going about your normal, everyday life, walking around, walking the streets, your feet would get covered in all sorts of dirt, grime, and other stuff. Remember, there were a lot of animals back then. And so as a result, when people entered a home or a building, especially their home, at the end of the day, one of the first things that they did was wash their feet. For people of means, though, They didn't wash their own feet. Instead, they would have one of their servants do it. And given the nature of the job, often that servant who had to wash people's feet was the lowliest servant in the household, the one furthest down the totem pole, the one on the bottom rung, the one no one else was below, everyone else was above, and no one else wanted to be. That was the servant who had to wash people's feet. And yet Jesus does that job here. Why? 
Well, again, it's to demonstrate what he's talking about in this passage. It's to demonstrate the kind of love he wants his disciples to show. In other words, it's like a real-time sermon illustration. As Jesus says in verses 12 through 15 here, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And then again, he makes it more explicit later. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is love like this. This is what love looks like. This is what my love looks like. And so this is what your love as my disciples needs to look like. It needs to look like service. It needs to look like sacrifice. It needs to look like focusing on others and their needs over and above your own because that is how I, your Lord and teacher, have loved you. And then, if that example wasn't clear enough, he fleshed it out even more the next day. You see, by this same time, the next day, Jesus' love went a lot further than just foot washing. That's because after this text, after this meal, after Jesus finishes sharing this one last Passover with his disciples, he goes out to a garden. There in the dark of night, he's arrested. He's brought to the high priest's house. He's questioned, beaten, and spit on. From there, he's dragged before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. There's some hemming and hawing back and forth about whether or not he's actually done anything worthy of punishment. But eventually, he's sentenced to die. He's beaten some more, flogged, robed in a purple robe and a crown of thorns, and then finally led to a cross. And again, it was servant's work. It was dirty, unclean, disgraceful, and disgusting, the sort of thing reserved only for the lowliest servant, the one furthest down the totem pole, the one at the bottom, the one no one else was below and everyone else was above. Who else after all, would die for sinners. As the Apostle Paul puts it in Philippians chapter two, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's what Jesus, our servant savior, did for us. That was his love, the mandatum, the command he obeyed for us. And that's the love, the command, the mandatum that he has given to us as well. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And so as his disciples, let us love like that. Let us love like we've been loved. And let us remember what that love looks like this Monday, Thursday, and always. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me?
Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are sinful people. And yet while we are still sinners, you have demonstrated and expressed your incredible love for us. You have done this most clearly in the person of your son, Jesus Christ, who did not scorn the shame of the cross, but rather went to his death willingly for us. And in that act, you have demonstrated what our love as your people ought also to look like. Empower us by your spirit, Lord, so that indeed we can live that kind of love as your people and continue to give a testament and a witness to it, just as you have given a testament and witness to your love for us in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.